1: Hey guys, Pitmaster here. I'm here with the Dock. That's why it's called Pitmaster and the Dock. And we have two guys from Pit Malibu here with us. We have Glover Texera live from Pit Malibu. Well, he's not live, but he's here from Pit Malibu. And we got Rick Metzler, the owner, the owner of Pit Malibu, Rick Metzler. So we have a full house there. We got the Dock. Me, Glover, and Rick. And we're going to talk about something very, very important. Two things, actually. Number one, I keep looking at the screen there instead of there. Number one, we're going to talk about how you can train super hard, like we do, and not get hurt. Okay. A lot of people train really hard and are always injured. I love Cain Velasquez. When's the last time you've seen him fight? Think hard. Like, in some, it was in the 1900s. Okay, it's been a while. And it's because... I'm not saying 100%, but I think he might be injured a lot. I'm just saying. You think so? Maybe, yeah. Like, hard
0: training, hardcore training.
1: They do hardcore training. And let me just tell you, the only way you can get into hardcore shape and be ready for a fight, whether it be in the UFC cage or in the street. You have to train hard. But if you don't train right, you're always going to be injured. And even worse, you're going to get brain damage. You're going to be punchy. All right? That's not pretty. I've seen that happen. So we're going to talk about... We're in like an, uh, uh, we have like a round table right here. We're going to talk about how... Can you train really hard? And what's our experience? Cause we all have a we have a wealth of information of experience right here. I have been at this since 1970. How old were you in 1970?
0: I wasn't born.
1: How old were you in nineteen seventy? I wasn't born either. <laughs> ah, fuck you both. How old were you in nineteen seventy? I was born. How old were you? Uh... You're 1 years old. I was getting ready to train though. I'm I hate you ready. all. I hate you all. I started training in 1970. And let me tell you something. I'm 60 and I don't have injuries. So I'm doing something right. All right? I'm ugly as shit and I'm not really successful in anything, so I'm doing something's wrong. But besides that, I'm not injured and I've been training really hard since 70. So, since we are all have experience with this, he's a doctor. A doctor. So, that means he's smart. Okay? We're karate guys, so that means we're
0: not, not smart.
1: smart. <laughs> not very smart. Not very smart. <laughs> but that's beside the point. Okay. Now, let, let's break this down into two parts. Number one, jiu-jitsu, which is one of, one of Gold, Glover's expertise... They get hurt a lot because they're pulling and tweaking on joints all the time. So they're, they're known for having shoulder injuries, ankle injuries, knee injuries, etc. Okay. Mainly the knee injuries are more of the takedowns and the wrestling. But they have a lot of joint injuries. We also are used to doing this a lot, punching each other. And if we punch each other too much, we're going to get cut. We're going to get chronic brain damage and we're going to get acute brain injuries. So how can you train hard without doing that? All right, let's go first. Let's ask let me let me get your opinion first to the only UFC fighter. He's not just a UFC fighter, he's a UFC contender. There's a difference, guys. You can be a UFC fighter, but he's also a UFC contender. Why do, what do you think the secret the secret, the line is the sweet spot. That's the that's the word. What's the sweet spot between training really hard for a fight, but trying to stay injury free? So where do you draw the line, and and where's the spot that you pull back or you rate you go harder?
0: I think uh, conditioning helps a lot. Conditioning is the most important for uh, prevent injury. Okay. When you like uh, stay fit, stay conditioning. Uh, off camp and the fight comes camp start and you start sparring of course you're gonna slow down uh on the condition a little bit because all, right. all the sparring all the wrestling and uh, I think that's I mean I'm very blessed you know I don't I, I mean I never have a uh, big injury only my hand last lot was what's happened in the fight but I never really have injury um to pull out the fight or anything so I think because of conditioning. I'm always doing conditioning. I'm always stay. The problem with the guys I see in my gym and everywhere that I go, uh, people don't. They don't do much conditioning. They come out of shape to get ready for fight, and they start resting hard right away, and start, whatever, sparring hard right away. And those muscles, whatever the ligaments, is not prepared. You know, it's not. Not like, uh, it's not there. It's like it's weird. So, I guess my opinion is conditioning always stay in shape stay in shape in between fights guys stay in shape
2: but i think that's the science behind this that we've talked about john is the science of the conditioning whether you're conditioning your bones or your hands or you're conditioning your ligaments or your muscles they get stronger with use so if you're just trying to get ready in eight six or eight weeks for a fight you're not going to have the same strength in your bones and in your tendons and your ligaments that you're going to, if you stay conditioned or conditioning constantly. So there's real science behind what Glover says, you know, keeping your Wolf's law, Wolf's law. It's Wolf's law that we've talked about. And anyone who listens to our podcast has heard us talk about, but your bones actually get stronger the more you use them. And if you stop using them, that you, it goes the opposite direction just as quickly. So staying in shape long term, I think, you know, if you, you know, you, you haven't had major injuries or having to pull out of fights, that's gotta be pretty rare in the uh, UFC. It is, very rare. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I mean, like, I I only have this injury, you know, in the fight, and like, I, it's like, um, I think, uh, I really think the conditioning, man, because I'm always doing a hard condition, I hit the bag hard. And I did, um, I, I I, tore some, it was not tore the bicep, but so I went to, to the doctor and everything in Brazil, because one after one of my fights, I take 10 days off and I come back and um, right away, you know, I say, I'm going to start hit the bag. I had a 10 days off and I wrap my hand and I start throwing hard left hook, hard punches. And the bag was a little bit hard, you know. But I, I used to train with the bag all the time, before, whatever. But because I think my muscles was not conditioned well, I felt the bison. I went over there to the doctor. I tore some... Fibers, he say. He say I could. It could be a bicep tore, because there, right there, yeah. So, he say uh, I. I and and because of yeah, you know, you take it ten days off and you gotta start slow, right? right. You yeah. Gotta start so you cannot. And that's the problem too. Like um, I had a little bit problem with that. Like uh, if you uh, um, you know what you're doing, all right. You know how much weight you lift. Let's say power clean or or rowing or whatever. You know, like what are you capable of to do it? And then you, you take like, whatever, a week off or 10 days off, that's enough. Like, then you go and you're trying to put the, the same weight or whatever, do the same thing that you were doing when you were in very good shape. How fast do you get out of <laughs> it? you turn that off? Let me turn that oh, that's not, no, not yours.
1: It's It's outside. But talk about, while well, I'm gone. Talk about how long you think it physically takes your muscles and your cardio to get out of shape in between fights. That's a good one. So, I,
2: personally, I think cardio, I think you got about two weeks. You can kind of just fall off the map for about two weeks. And if you don't get back into it within two weeks, you start to lose your cardio endurance. You know, as far as building up muscle mass or bone density and those things, you probably have a little bit more time. Um, but... It, Definitely your cardiovascular, I, I think most people have about a two week where they can just take a two weeks off and get back into it and not lose too much. But any anything past it's still anything past that, right? that. that I, I think mean, you really start to lose <laughs> yeah. your endurance.
0: Yeah. You know, the age you got a lot to do with that too. When I was young I didn't have to warm up or anything. When I was twenty years old. Yeah. I didn't have to I didn't need to warm up just to start. Uh, let's fall. okay, put it I mean 24, 25 you know I come to the pit I was like yeah, but now know. I need a longer warm-up I need at least half an hour uh, and that make a big difference too, you know you, because you really feel you feel like before Andrew you feel a little pain here or whatever you, like if you're gonna hit the bag if you're gonna wrestle, if you 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 need a longer warm-up, you know, and the, like it, it goes with the age too, right? Like When you're younger also you're younger, pains, every,
2: pains go away <laughs> so yeah. You get some pains you when you're older, and you they're just that. You, they're just with you now. I,
1: I do about I do about not for me because I don't really care because I don't I don't work out to their extent. But my fight team, I always warm up between twenty and thirty minutes because it's it's really too long, and it's boring as shit for them. But I don't want any of my fighters to get a pull muscle, a pull hamstring, a pull groin muscle a pull shoulder in training. I mean, just by not warming up. So to me, it's, it's important or it's worth it to invest. Even it might be wasted. I might be overdoing it. I'd rather warm them up too much than have them. uh, So we, in my office, we see this on both ends. You see it on the, I didn't warm up, whether it's,
2: you know, men's league basketball and the guys are 40 and they get on the court and the first time they run down the court, someone tears their Achilles Um, or, you know, they're, playing baseball, and they run to first base and tear, tear something. And then you see it on the other end. You see a soccer player replaced plays for 90 minutes, and then at the end, they're so fatigued, they blow out their ACL. So there's, you're, they're kind of in the middle zone. You know, when we train here, it's an hour usually. But, you know, you warm up, and then you train, and then you don't keep training to where you, injuries start to happen also.
1: Right. We're, I'm, I'm a firm believer in high-intensity interval training um, I think shorter is better uh, because we train. We're martial artists, and we train for most fights aren't going to last very long in the street and in the cage. They last between fifteen minutes to twenty five minutes, and no fight is is it's not a marathon. It's a, to me, it's not a sprint either. It's a bunch of little sprints mixed in with uh, with some rest. So to me, that's what's like. All right, now I got a good one.
0: Yeah, but hold on, you. You think like, a, 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 just a question, because you think like the, I know we have to do, I do a, a short workout, we know the condition that you do, but you think the short, intense workout is better to prevent injury?
1: No, that's no, no but oh. I think, I think if I, when I say short, it's relative. In other words, I don't believe in, I don't believe in doing something for, two hours and just kinda oh, nonstop. Okay, yeah. But I think you should go hard and then rest. Go hard, then rest. So I think a short workout, when I say short, I mean I think most of my workouts, I combine my workouts, physical workouts, with my skill. So a lot a lot of my skill drilling, when you're on the bag, you're working out, believe me, but it's also you work, you're developing your skill. So I combine that with other things like burpees and other calisthenics. But I usually combine that with my skills because I want to I combine the two because to me that way it goes in your muscle memory better. Uh. But, okay, here's a good one. Now, um, some people, and I know a lot of Brazilian fighters used to believe that they don't need to condition because they're going to grapple or spar their way into conditioning. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. And to me, that's a recipe for injury because you can't push as hard in the contact, whether it be cranking on somebody's arm or punching someone in the face. You can't do that to the intensity that you need to in training to get into the kind of shape you need for the fight without constant and chronic injuries. So I'm a firm believer in... Getting your heart rate up as high as you can in something like, like say, burpees, um, airdyne, hard rowing, something else where you're not going to actually get punched in the face really hard or get your arm tweaked. And then practice the, the sparring drills, but combine drilling and sparring together. What do you think about yeah,
0: that? I, I, that's what I do. So, so I do. I learned how to do it like that, but it, it, it's it, you're right. Like people spar all the time. Um, it's not gonna. It, 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 it is a good train if you if you don't get injury. You know that I think that's the best train. If I could spar every day a hundred percent and not get injury, that's what I would do. I would not do the condition. But right. you get injury you when you do that. Right. So if, you if you wrestle you every day. You can't
1: spar your way into shape. What do you think, Rick?
3: I look at the other side of it. I look at guys that are in really good shape and it's finding the middle ground and being able to know that your good shape is going to work in a fight. So finding the middle ground and, and working on effective drilling is the closest you're going to get to that because there's tons of people that are in great shape and then as soon as they start sparring, their breathing patterns, everything are screwed up because they don't know how to use the skills that they've been practicing in that mode of operation. Yeah. So finding that middle ground is, is important. It's a tough one.
1: and That's why... That's why having a really good coach is really important because it's hard to do it on your own, especially if you don't have the, the experience to do it, but you need somebody to push you and to be able to pull you like with someone like two people I can think of right now that more than anyone else I know, and could be anyone else in the whole world, Glover and McGee. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't, Rope them in if you don't tame them in their training, they're gonna train way too hard, they're gonna be like overtrained in a heartbeat. I Some, did it for a couple of my fights, yeah, you did. I did for a couple I, of my fights, yes, you did. And and I wasn't training them at the time, no, but and then there's other people just as good. I'm not saying it's worse or better, but there's certain people of fighters they love to fight, they don't love to train. Glover and Court love to train. They're they're fanatics. But I have some guys that love to fight and not love to train. So I have to actually push them harder. Because you have to be here. If you train too hard, you're here. And it's not good. If you train not hard enough, you're here. So you want to train your guy here. You have to know when to pull your fighter. And you have to know when to push your fighter. And some fighters have to be pushed more. And some fighters have to be pulled more. So that's that's a really really fine line, and a trainer. If you want to be a trainer or a coach, you have to learn that every fighter, every athlete, every student you have is different. When I'm doing my when my when I'm doing my class with uh, you know I got Doc in there and I got other people, but I have to feel the energy of the class. And sometimes I push them harder than I was going to, and sometimes I pull them back because I can tell when they're pushing it to their limit. And you have to be able to do that. So I don't think you can train, I don't think you can spar your way into shape. But then again, I don't think you can't spar at all. Because if you don't spar at all, you don't know what it feels like to get punched in the face. You don't know how you're gonna react. But if you get punched in the face too much and that you depend on that for your training, you're gonna have a chronic, you're gonna talk with a slur and you're going to be drilling a lot and not remembering your name. And you're going to have broken bones if you do that when you grapple. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think for me and I, what I see you do in the class and the injuries that I see in my office, I also see injuries when there's kind of a skill mismatch. you know, And it's usually the guy that's better that gets hurt. <laughs> but I've seen that um, here too. So I'm always trying to train in the class with the black belts or someone better than me maybe it's more dangerous for them i don't know (laughs) but but i do see that especially um if i spar with people that are brand new i think there's definitely way more chance of getting hurt too so
1: that's tough for us like for me i know for me ricky and glover it's tough because well i'll give you i'll give you one example like okay i'll say I'll, i'll bring glover so glover i think when we first started sparring i could beat glover and I and I used to get mad like with Glover or Chuck or some of my fighters, and and I, and I would hit them and I'd be like, "Bro, block, block!" And they'd be like, "Oh, okay, I'll try." And then I keep smarting them. Then the time goes on, and then all of a sudden they're blocking and hitting me really hard, and then I'm like, "Oh shit, I made then a." Huge, really mad. Then I made a. Then you got really mad. I got really mad because <laughs> you make that mistake, where something that means you're a good coach but you're you're screwed because now your students are going to beat the shit out of you so you have to you have to have students that have some control because your students hopefully are going to be able to beat up on you someday if they're not you're not really a good coach or you're just some kind of freak athlete but all my students i think almost every one of them has gotten to a point where they're able to kick my ass and that's like the best day of a coach's life and the worst day Both rolled up in one because you're so happy that they finally got it. But now you're so sad because now you're (laughs) going to get your ass whooped by someone else. When I tested Chuck and Rick for their black belt, I was all over like, I'm going to show them and I'm going to teach them. I ended up bloodier than they were after the, the black belt test. And I felt really proud that I just promoted my guys to black belt. But I don't think I could breathe out of my nose for like two weeks. So it's good and bad. It's good news. It's good news and bad news. So as a coach, it's so important to be the person that can push and pull and realize that drilling is the new sparring. You know how they say, what do they say? Something is the new something. Orange is the new black. Or that's a show, right? Orange is the new black. Or they'll say like... Or the, oh, I know, I'm age. Like, I'm 60, but, like, 60 is the new 40. I don't feel like that, but I you know what I mean. I've heard that before. Are you guys getting what I'm saying? Like, this is the new this, right?
2: We're all with you. Go on. Are you serious?
1: You're acting, <laughs> you're looking at me like I'm stupid. <laughs> okay, so what I'm saying here is, spa, uh, drilling is the new sparring, and it's, it's taking over, I think. Um I think people, even boxers, um, don't beat the shit out of them all the time like we used to. We used to do that in the pit too. But we've realized that you don't have to beat the shit out of each other all the time to learn how to, to, learn how to fight and to get in shape for your fights. You do have to do some sparring, but I think the, the bulk now of our, of our contact is drilling. So, and, and I think most of the good teams are doing that. And some of the teams don't do it as much, but they're the ones that have the most injuries. What yeah, do you think I about mean,
3: that? i got to interject that there's people that try and, and do drilling that, that don't have an effective way of doing it, that only know how to spar or not, because their, their way of drilling might not be as effective as yours or other teams that are doing it well.
1: Yeah, and yeah. we do it well. I mean... Hmm. I think we have an unbelievable record of of my guys. Like when I watch my guys fight now, they're at a higher level, just as high as any of my fighters have been. And my fighters now, I think when they're training for fights, say it's an eight-week thing, they probably spar 10 minutes a month when you put it together. It's so little because I do like a minute of sparring and then I'll do like five minutes of drilling. And probably it's it's it's, it's just not necessary. It's just not. So, so. Other,
3: other than risk of injury, what do you think? What do Because I can think of things that it seems like it promotes even better than sparring. Confidence. Maybe if someone's kind of nervous to use certain techniques, it helps develop the confidence to go ahead and try it because they know they're not going to get cranked on. Are there things like that that you see that it even drilling? That, that that drilling's even better than sparring? Yes. Other, than, other than risk of injury, I'm talking about skill sets.
1: Yes. Uh, muscle memory, muscle memory ingraination. Can you say ingraination? You can say whatever you want. But is it or like <laughs> if you're ingraining muscle memory into your muscles, which you don't really do physiologically, but that's how I that's how I explain it. To me, you're 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 ingraining these techniques that they're doing over and over and over again that I want them to do in the fight, because when they're sparring, they're they're sparring not always memory, doing yeah. that. Yeah. But I like the I like especially setting up a takedown defending a takedown when you're drilling this so many times that it happens in the fight it's just second nature in a sparring it's hit and miss cuz you don't know what's going to happen to to cuz it's spontaneous so maybe you need more work on drilling the takedown defense but you're not getting it because the guy's not taking you down so i think th- i think that fear uh, the 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 risk of inner injury and chronic and acute is, is the main thing that fight a sparring is that's the main downfall of sparring but i think getting to to be more repetitive on your drill on your techniques i think drilling helps even more so if you could if there was no threat of injury chronic or or acute then i would say i would i would go half and half and i would still have a spar half and, and, and if there was a thrill, uh, drill, uh, threat of injury, I would have them spar their way into shape. But there is. And people are getting hit in the head too much, and they're getting cut, and they're getting knees. And then like t- the one of the worst injuries, or the most common injuries, I think, is freestyle sparring with takedowns. And then somebody goes one way, and they're trying to take them down the other. Next thing you know, there's a fucking blown knee. So, I like to drill takedowns with the knees, but I want them to have some kind of feel of a takedown in spontaneous sparring. So, I have them do half shots so they don't go all the way through it, but it still keeps this guy alert so the guy's not, he has to realize the guy's gonna come down. But I still don't want him to go on. And one thing I tell people is when they say, uh, how are they gonna realize what a real fight is? I mean, a real fight, they're gonna get hit in the face full on. And I'm not talking about my fighters. I'm talking about my martial artists for the street. Well, how are they going to realize how a real punch is going to feel? They should feel that punch. And I just say, and if they're a cop, they should feel the bullet going in. Or if they're, you know what I mean? If they get attacked with a knife, should they feel the slice on their face? Because then how are they going to realize? They're not going to realize 100%. But I still think that injury, that, that threat of injury, that chance of injury is not worth that. And I think you can drill effectively as a regular martial arts student or even as a fighter um, to, to, to be able to to, uh, to accomplish your goals. In sparring, in a fighter, a fighter like Glover, he does have to spar a little bit more and a higher level and he does have to roll at a higher level because... Because he's tr- that's his profession. But if you're a regular martial artist, I don't think you need to go to that level
0: anymore. I just don't... I don't think there's any but, reason for it. But drilling is like... Is, you cannot stop drilling. No matter no. how much you know. Like, right. You can be the best like a left hook in the world, but you you can have the best left hook in the world, but if you stop drilling, you're going to lose gonna it. Lose like it like that. Like that. And if you spar, you know when you spar a lot and you stop drilling, you start getting sloppy too. Yeah. Start throwing wild punches, chin up, you know. So you got to... That's how you get to us, you start, like, I remember, like, we start getting, like, a little bit crazy, and you stop the sparring and start drilling and tell, like, hey, all right, see what you guys doing, keep your chin down, hands up, don't pull back. And then when they go and back then, to sparring, it's better. And it's funny, because I was doing a seminar in uh, uh, Connecticut last, a uh, couple weeks ago, and, uh, you know, I was doing a seminar for the SWAT team, I take the guy down on the show and stuff, and I was going to grab his hand, he's like, yeah, we usually don't grab the hand. Because uh, I one the, one 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 cop got really in a situation. You know they drill like to, to take the gun and they give it back. He said it happened really situation a real situation. He take the gun from the I, I don't know if I will leave. I don't know if he was joking around <laughs> with me. He the, 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 was a woman. She take the gun out of the guy's hand and give it back to him.
2: It's muscle memory. It was a That's
0: joking. drilling. Is that a, he was drilling. joking with me? All right, I didn't I, believe him. Like that. I don't I believe can, it. he that said, I can see He looked that. at me and said, "I, can see I that. swear to God, this I can see that. I swear to God, it. it happens. It was like I, uh, you know, the, I, I didn't can go,
1: it go. Two thing, Two things. I, I I, don't like my guys bowing before they spar anymore. Okay, and I don't like them ever helping each other up, not because of the gun thing, but because I don't I don't want that I want that guy to have to get up because in a real fight, getting up is tiring. Yeah, I mean, so, in
0: wrestling, we, I mean, we train wrestlers all over the world, you know, train with, like, Steve and even with Chuck. I remember, like, we never help each yeah. other up. We take him down, they get out. I mean, I did it because right. I was doing seminars, just trying to. But, yes, we never help. Uh, guy that's, guy a good, that's a good to take point. You, down, you get up in your own. you won't want to go down again. Yeah,
1: and the <laughs> I bowing, yourself. I like... The bowing is important after sparring, but to me... I, I don't know, like two kids in the schoolyard. I don't want it to be a sparring match. So to me, if they're so used to bowing, I want the sparring or drilling to mimic what they're going to be like when they really fight. So I want it to just go. I want them to sometimes I make my students, adults too, but mainly kids, say things to each other like, you're ugly today, or just something silly, but it's something... A negative thing, and then I want them to start sparring or drilling, because I want that's what's gonna that's what's gonna trigger a fight in the street, not a bow and and and, and uh, okay, let's spar. I want it to start off like that. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, but in, as martial artists in the cage, it's always nice to see them respecting each other before they fight.
1: Yeah, and those are those are pro fighters, and and they're so at a different level than most of us. So I mean, it's it's yeah, it's beautiful to watch the the bushido or the or the respect that fighters have for each other. I know for a fact, all my guys, anyone that's been in contact with the pit, Glover, Chuck, all my guys have shown the utmost respect, um, and it's always. I mean, it's, it makes you. I mean, it makes you proud. But it's terrible to watch that. But in the street. There's no fucking respect. You should
0: But you know, John met something. So it's like, it's, re- it's really like a, a cool that he say, like a, that he tell his to uh, I, I, w- I would do it differently. I'll be like, hey Rick, you know, Doc over here say he, he knocked yeah. you down last week. Then I go and say the same <laughs> thing to him. So I, you know, but, you uh, but anyway, you know, your... it's true. <laughs> That's it's true. Let other. me tell you why. You, you, it's good, respect. I always respect people. I don't, you know, I don't don't care. I'm a, I'm a fighter, man. I walk in there and I fight. You know, I don't care who. And, but you, you're right. I, it's a it's a fact. I've seen people that he's always respecting everybody that he fought. Like six, seven fights was respect with him. And then when he see, and then you fight a guy like McGregor that's coming to your face and you hit him, he's like, that's all you got, bitch, you know, and all those things. Then the guy, I, he never happened, that that never happened to him before. Every time he was fighting, you know, so he, he goes and his he, head, for sure. You no doubt, no doubt They're like, so, if he's only used to, to like, hey, okay, bout, and let's go, let's fight, you know. And but you can go day, on the other,
1: you can see that on the other side, because if you get, like, if you over, if you killed him with kindness, like, you killed McGregor with kindness, and he, he yelled at you, just saying, okay, you're the greatest, and then you might, like, freak him out and go, damn it, what are you doing? I hate you, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, I don't a know guy if I've that seen any... Muhammad,
0: was an Argentina guy that fought Muhammad Ali. And Muhammad Ali was, like, I uh, forget his name. I show him uh, in the YouTube. From week. Argentina? From Argentina. He's, oh. like, he keeps telling, like, he kept telling Muhammad Ali, like, you know, Muhammad Ali was talking all this thing, and he's, like, he just, like... You got baby face and Grand Muhammad Ali's face, and I'm <laughs> like, "Hey man, don't do that to me!" And then he just laughed. He just he laughed. Threw was him off. So he did throw him off. The oh. Muhammad Ali actually walked out of the interview laughing, like laughing. <laughs> the guy's like, "I can't, I can't be mad at this guy."
1: Oh my god! I like that. See that, crazy. he killed him with the respect. He killed kindness. him with the respect. That's what. That's what. McGregor or even Diaz, I don't think it worked with Diaz. It might work with McGregor because I think McGregor's is an act, it's a really good act. And I, I he like always
2: respects him after the fight, though. Yeah. It's an act
1: because after the fight, I it, think he's very he handsome. kneels with them, they respect I, each other. I think he's respectful, and I think the Diaz brothers are too. But I mean, if they start getting in your face, kill them with kindness. I like you that you work with Tyson, no, and because then, yeah, but Tyson isn't anything like that. Tyson. Is just an intimidation. He's not talking shit. No. You know yeah, it, it's. I mean, he once fuck. once he started talking shit, it's, it didn't work for him. He's like, "I'm gonna eat your baby." It's just like <laughs> that wasn't really intimidating, but he was intimidating just by his look, and that one's and hard to... too. Pacing, pacing oh, like a tiger, like know. he's about to kill you. It's yeah, like That's so that one would be hard hard to deal with because how do you deal with that? But like if someone's talking shit to you, cause they, you know you could deal with that. Tyson's intimidation was probably the worst since Sonny Liston. Sonny Liston's was pretty bad. Yeah. But it was a different one. Sonny Liston's was just like this. He's just like a big, like his was like, what's that black uh, guy on uh, Star Wars, Darth Vader? Like he was just this big Darth Vader. Mike Tyson was like, Mike Tyson was like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Sonny Lister is just a stone cold killer. I think
0: Sunny Lister was, was uh, he was, but he acted a little bit. You know, he he wanted to be the bad guys. Tyson won. Wa- Tyson in the beginning he didn't. He just no. want to fight. Later on, like after you know, like you say, he then he's like, hey man, this is working for me. You know, I'm the bad guy. But in the beginning he didn't, but he was. He did. He didn't care, but he was. Yeah.
1: I think he was so intimidating, but then when he started. Towards the end, he started getting too, like... It wasn't intimidating at all. It was just... Like, you, it didn't come out. And then he just become a hated guy. And now, you watch him now... He, like... He's, re-bo- he's reinvented, man. T- Mike Tyson, his, he's admitted... He's admitted... I mean, how many guys do this? Very few of us do this. I do that. I've admitted many times what a just a terrible human I was in my past. But not many people like Tyson, such a public figure. He's admitted all his wrongdoings and, and and and, and he's reinvented himself. He seems like, and I bet he is now. You met him, and you you were one of his. He was one of your idols, and then he watched you fight, and he came in the cage, and remember you guys were mm-hmm. hanging out. He seems like a great person now. Yeah. I mean, he just seems much. like yeah. he, he does, doesn't he? He's yeah, like. Yeah, he seems like he's really and yeah. a That's genuine, that. genuinely family-oriented. He just seems like he outgrew all that stuff. He admitted it. He just he admits it. He puts all of it out, out out there and just says, "I was a terrible person, and I I'm trying to be a better person now." He makes jokes about the ear. Remember that skit he had with Evander. Uh, he's always Evander? making jokes. He's always yeah. Jokes. His guy. podcast is called "Bite the Ear" or something, isn't it? Bite the mic. Bite the mic. <laughs> he is I he was he's Glover's favorite fighter and I when Glover first started training I noticed Glover was a lot like Mike Tyson so Mike uh, Glover's homework was like after every class or every training session he had to go study video of Mike Tyson
0: yeah
1: and uh yeah. because to me that was the clo that's the closest thing to uh an idol that I wanted uh, Glover to have, not necessarily his his persona or his person, but his fighting style. His fighting style, to me, was is is exactly add add great jitsu and great takedowns. Um, that's to me what 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 Glover Teixeira is. It's a Mike Tyson with takedowns and submissions. So anyway, that's that's that was my uh, that was my Mike Tyson bit. What do you think? Well, this is a pit old school we got in our studio today. Rick,
2: Rick. That's
0: old school right here. Rick
1: <laughs> Rick was my first student, 1985. He says 86, but whatever. Um, I like 85 because it just rounds better. It's a 5, 10, 15, 20. <laughs> 6 is just somewhere in there. It, just, it doesn't roll off the tongue as well. So I always say we started in 85. So I'm going to stick with that, by the way. Um but 85, so he came to me and the first time Rick walked in the door of my gym, there was no door. He came through the house because my gym was in the backyard. My wife when we bought you know we got this out, well she already had the house and then we, we got together. we were both nurses and the ba- and, and then she wanted to build a pool in the backyard. A pool was about 30 grand then or 25 grand. It's like, I don't want a pool. nobody swims in a pool. Let's build a gym in the backyard. So we said, she doesn't want a gym. She wants a pool. So we, we decided, let's do both. So we, we built a pool, like 30 grand, swam in it twice, and then we built a gym, became the pit. So I started training guys in the backyard. I started off just, I wanted me to be in there, but I started training people. And I, so I had a little ad in the yellow pages. And then Rick shows up. And Rick had long hair, he looked like Jesus. He had a beard and long hair, and he comes in. He's really, yeah, Yeah. his name, his nickname was Jesus, yeah. And he came, so he came in, and it was like, I thought to myself, I love Rick, but the first time he came in, I just thought the word that came to my head was douchebag, and it was because he just looked like that long hair, beard, and I was like. And he started talking about, he talked about some other martial art he did. And I was like, I'm going to kick his ass.
3: Kung Fu San Su.
1: Kung Fu San Suu, whatever.
3: <laughs> so,
1: so instead of training him, I said, we're just going to spar today. So I beat the shit out of him. So like, I walked in the house, I swear to God. I walked in the house, he left, and I walked in the house. And I was like, I told my ex, I, go, I told her, he'll never be back. And she, she just goes, oh, why would you do that? I go, I just don't like him, so i will never be back. I beat the shit out of him. So, like, the next day, he, like, comes back. He's like, well, I'm here to train. I was like, what the hell? I, okay, we're going to spar. So this happened, like, three or four days in a row where I wouldn't even train. We just I just beat the shit out of him. And I kept telling her he's not coming back this time for sure. But he kept coming back. So, like, the fourth day, after the fourth time... I think after I beat the shit out of him, I thought, well, I'll train him then, okay. So we trained a little bit, and I walked back in the house, and I told my ex, I said, I like this guy, I'm going to start training him. <laughs> he's been coming every day, uh, he came every day since, and he was the first to get his black belt, he got his black belt the same time uh, Chuck and Eric and, uh, and uh, Tony the Terrible did. Did John leave anything out?
3: There was a Stairmaster in there somewhere. <laughs>
1: I did have a st- The old school, st- not the old school one that had the steps, the one you put your foot in the pedal and went like that.
3: I still have it, too. That one? That Stairmaster that, that had the, yeah, I still have it. Yeah? Yeah, I still
1: have it. Yeah, we yeah. Still, that's what we did. So this was in L.A. at the time? It, yeah, Woodland Hills, California, in the backyard. It was on De La Osa Street in Woodland Hills. So if you live by De La Osa, I'm not going to tell you the house number, but it was on De La Osa. That's the original pit. The original pit was in the back. That gym is still there back there. And they used it as a storage
3: room. And so is the pool. The pool's still there, too. <laughs> the we swam, all that time, all that money, <laughs> I mean, I mean, we I mean, swam
1: in it, all all like, time. twice. Seriously. So that's where the pit started. That's where Rick started. Let me tell you how Glover came. Now, uh, uh, Glover fought one of our guys, a guy named Eric Schwartz, who... Uh, he still lives in, the, in our town and stuff. And they were going to fight. And it was both of their first fights. Where was this? It was at Tachi Palace. And so they fought. Really tough fight. Our guy won. But Glover was like, we saw something in Glover, me and Chuck. And we went into his dressing room after the fight. And we just wanted to tell him, like, how good he did and how much we respected him and how much... We liked watching him fight, and we wanted to make sure he didn't feel bad about, you know, because it was such a good fight. And they were like, and they were like, we'd love to train with you sometime. And next thing you know, uh, he's... Greg. He was there.
0: Greg, my friend, Greg Davis, the new Oh, okay. Yeah, remember? He's the one that... Uh, he's the one that set the up. up? Okay, I didn't remember Greg that call part. Greg called you and say, yeah, he wants to go over there, so... Ah, oh, I do not know that. You,
2: where were you living back then? Connecticut. Connecticut. You were living in Connecticut, then. Yeah. So
1: we used. So
0: Greg Davis was the middleman.
1: I
2: didn't yeah, know that. Greg
0: called. You know, I say I want. You know, John said I could train with him. It's like, oh, I know John I can call him.
1: He's the little
3: train.
0: Yeah. So he got your nickname.
1: He got my nickname. Yeah, yeah he was. He got
3: permission.
0: He asked permission. He got, yeah, yeah, he did ask. He
1: was a he was a professional kickboxer, and my name when I was fighting was John the Train Hackleman. So he wanted he wanted a nickname. He wanted to be the train. So I go. Okay, I'm not fighting anymore, take it. So he was Greg the Train Davis.
0: Yeah. He's a great guy. He's the one that hooked me up over here. I come I over here for that. a month. And I uh, next, you know, went back. That, and was, after I... yeah. and that the, was after you fought Eric? Yeah. What year yeah. is this? Yeah. And uh, 90, I mean, Eric was my 94. first fight. 94? 94, 95? Well, no, no. Uh, this 2002. Oh, this is 2002 already? Yeah. yeah. Man, I would—I never would have said that. Well, I fought Eric. Wow. Yes, two thousand uh, two. Two thousand nineteen, John. I know, I but I seventeen that. years. I mean, spend <laughs> <laughs> like seventeen. you your old, you're
1: my age, these these it just melts.
3: But it shows you—it shows you how the martial arts, what it does. Uh, one of the original pit black belts fights Glover. They, he ends up talking to someone else who you knew back from the old days.
0: Sees the people blackmail, right? Yeah. Cecil yeah. yeah. uh, people's blackmail. Greg yeah. Davis. He, and then he
3: recommends you. And then here we are, 19 years later. How, how yeah, cool is that? Yeah, 17 years later. And then the I'm
0: going to have Dan with Eric tonight. Yeah. It doesn't that's right,
3: proud,
1: Yeah, his though. first opponent.
0: He's going to pay.
1: Bastard. <laughs> but so that's how, that's how we met. Then I got another story about the doc. One of my favorite stories. I just told you guys this one today. So Doc comes, we become friends because I went to pick up my stepson from his his house because his steps my stepson and his daughter were dating, and we were laying in bed already, me and my wife, yeah, not me on. and him, yeah. <laughs> not you, not and him. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't know. Heather might see something different.
1: <laughs> Heather thinks we're lovers. Let me just say, she so. might know something Heather thinks them. we're lovers. Every time, every time she says, "What are says, you telling her?" every every time she says james she goes james where's james your boyfriend and she'll like say today even today at lunch she goes are you and james doing your podcast It's like where's james oh james james James." but anyway so i went to pick up tanner from from his house it was like nine o'clock we were watching tv and she was not feeling like getting out of bed to go pick him up so i go she goes you go pick him up i was like Okay, so I drive to pick him up, and then like at 1 o'clock in the morning, I get a call from Heather. Where the hell are you? I go, we're still here. Me and James are talking. She goes, holy shit. So I used to go pick him up all the time from James' house when you go over there to visit uh, his girlfriend. And then me and James became friends. Okay, so. And they broke up long ago. They broke up long ago, and they they stayed together a little longer than they would have. For us. They thought we would break up if they broke up. So they were like, if we, they like came to us like, we're not going to stay together, but you guys can still stay together. <laughs> so anyway, it was funny. Um, but let me tell you, this this is a true story. So he's, a, we we he wanted to train, but he, you know, he's a surgeon. He has hands and million dollar, he makes like $12 million a year or some shit. A little
2: less.
1: So we are like, but but it's definitely don't want to hurt his hands. It's different than us regular people, you know, hurting your hands. But I eventually got him training here, and and we take a little bit of precaution. He, he wears a little more stitch tape. We use stitch tape only. Oh, it's over here. We use stitch tape.
0: Best tape in the business. Best tape,
1: right here, stitch. Um, and he wraps his hands a little more carefully. I like him using the bigger gloves, etc. But he started training. He's a doc. He's he's you know I mean. They're not known as the most, you know, physically tough guys in the world. So I'm thinking, okay, he's going to train with us. And then not too long ago, this is a true story. Not too long ago, there was a mismatch. There was an odd number of people on the mat. And it was, I was teaching the class and we we're drilling. And it was like, there was an extra person. So I, uh, I'll be his partner. So we're doing, we're doing tie clinch with knees. So. He's been training like a year, a year or so? How long? A
2: year It's been almost two years.
1: So almost two years. So okay. So he started off, you know, like this kind of like whatever. Um, and I'm thinking, okay, let's do the meds. I don't wanna I don't wanna hurt this guy. We'll do some tie clinching, but he probably won't be much, you know. He grabs me with his tie clinch, and it felt like a fucking vice grip on my neck, and he pounded this knee in. And it almost, I almost knocked myself out by hitting my own hands. And then that second, the second that knee hit the pad, the first thought I had was, this guy's okay now. This guy, nobody's going to fuck with him. Nobody's going to fuck with his family. Nobody's ever going to mess with him again. He just, he has it. I could tell by the, the way he clenched and the way he kneed, I thought, he might just be a, a doc, but this is the kind of doc, if you fuck with him, He's going to knock your ass out. So that one knee, just like the time uh, Rick first bloodied my nose or the time Glover first made me knocked out cold or something like that, or this this time, I realized I might not be a, about much as a fighter anymore or whatever because these guys can kick my ass, but I'm a shit great coach. Always. Always. That's, so that's what kid. Well, I might rules, get my
0: ass whooped, but at least I'm a good coach. How's the rules for Doc knock someone out? You have to save him after he, you. You have, you have to, yeah, it's a Hippocratic to. oath. It's yeah, a Hippocratic yeah, oath. To. But let me tell you about
1: his fucking Hippocratic oath. <laughs> the time he hit me with that knee, <laughs> the second thing I thought after I was like, oh, this guy's made it now, he's safe. He's he can protect himself was instead of that fucking Hippocratic oath. He's a instead of the hypocritic, whatever you call it, he's a fucking hypocrite. Because he's supposed to save saved people and he almost just knocked me out. And he probably he did it with a smile on his face. I think as
2: long as you do more good than harm, the balance. The bal I'm positive on the balance.
1: Where would have you done it for me, but almost killed me.
2: Are we stitched up your finger? You stitched up my I finger. I think we're maybe we're even. We're we're <laughs>
1: even-ish. But anyway, we're good? We're good, man. This All right, great. so I want to thank uh, Rick, Malibu, Pit Malibu, guys. Best place in the world. Let me just tell you, with Pit Malibu, it's not like you think. They don't train soft over there. Okay, that's the Pit Malibu, but he's he's a hardcore Malibu. We got Glover Tech Sierra here, here, who's probably going to fight in July. And we got Doc here. So we want to thank you guys for being here. Share this uh podcast because we are taking over i love you joe rogan i mean i really do i love your show and all but we're taking over pitmaster and the doc are taking over what do you think Sean? good to see you Bing. thanks so, for coming guys awesome awesome oh, okay. <laughs> oh, awesome Thing. man Bang! good to see you guys thanks for coming guys